What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Fantasy Football Today. we got a four-man show today. Adam Azer, Jamie Eisenberg, Heath Cummings, and Ben Gretsch. We have two main topics. We'll bounce around a little bit. We'll start with some DFS. We'll end with some DFS, give you some FanDuel and DraftKings lineups. But we're going to talk about wide receivers. Was it really? Because I, I made the case on uh, Tuesday's show that it was a bad year for wide receivers. You know, maybe it wasn't. It, it, compared to 2018, it was. But we'll talk more about that. We'll get some takeaways from the wide receiver position. Uh, we welcome Jamie Eisenberg back from Las Vegas. Welcome back, Jamie. You were at the FSGA Awards. Is that repetitive? I, the FSG Awards? No, it's FSGA, FSGA Awards. The yes. A doesn't stand for all. Okay. <laughs> what does A stand for? Oh, association. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Fantasy Sports Gaming you were Association. Back? All right. Yes, I there took a red go. eye back uh, just to be here for you. Nice. And we have big news about that. Spoiler alert, Jamie won an award. We'll talk about that. Um, Heath, thank you for calling me out on my uh, initial thing there, my initial thing You're that wrong. I'm wrong about. Well, I thought you were going to start by saying I said <laughs> wide receiver was really bad last year. Heath disagreed, and actually it turns out Heath was right again. No. You didn't do that. You weren't so right. Okay. You you were right. It's somewhere. I, I would say I, it's somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the I didn't middle. say it was a great year. I just said I don't really think it was that bad of a year. It was pretty bad. And Ben Gretsch is here. Hello, Ben Gretsch. How's it going? Excited to get in. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if you saw the emails that we have in today's show, but uh, one person gives a big shout-out to Ben Gretsch, so stay tuned for that. Fantasy football at cbsi.com. We'll read your emails. All right, we're going to start with DFS real quick, and then uh, we'll talk mostly receivers. Then we'll come back, look at the two games, talk about some lineups. Give me one player you like in DFS. Heath, I'll start with you. I like Derrick Henry. Um, I think that he's not, not a bad play against the Chiefs' <laughs> run defense. I think I'm just going to play Derrick Henry, and then I'll just figure the rest out around him. Do you wonder though? If how do you do it? He, what do you mean? How do you do it? He's it's he's easy. just so expensive. It's like how, like if you if you play Derrick Henry because you know I have Mahomes and I had a hard enough time filling out a lineup without having at least one scrub in there. So you, Henry's so expensive. How do you manage it? Well, you're either going to have to not play Mahomes or you're going to have to play one or two scrubs. But there are plenty of scrubs to play this week. The, okay. do you, I, I mean, obviously, Henry's been on, on just a historic run right. with what he's done really the last four games. The game against the Chiefs in week 10, he went off right. 188 yards and two touchdowns. Their run defense the last seven weeks has been pretty stout right. since then, which gives. 
I think probably their run defense. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's too hot right now. And I don't really, like, their run defense has been better. They really don't want to get beat over the top. And that happened once last week. I think they're they're more worried about A.J. Brown. Yeah. I think, you think they're more worried about A.J. Brown? Brown? You said this the last time when we talked about Derrick Henry. I don't think they're more worried about A.J. Brown. I, I'd rather <laughs> make ridiculous. sure Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown don't beat you if you have the Chiefs offense. And if the Titans want to run the ball 35 times, we're going to score 35 points. Let them run it. Okay. But that's what I, happened I, last ben, time. Ben, they scored, come on. They scored on, 35 ben. points and they lost. Ben's on my side. Actually, I'm completely against you. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Titans to to hope that Henry can can dominate on the ground and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field as much as they can. I just don't think they're going to have a lot of success stopping Patrick Mahomes. I think the Chiefs, we talked about this going into last week, the Chiefs are healthier than they've been all year. Mahomes had a couple ankle injuries, then the dislocated kneecap. Uh, Tyreek Hill was out early in the season. Damian Williams was in and out of the lineup all year. They're healthy right now, and they looked really good even after they got down early against Houston. Their offense is as explosive right now, I think, as it was in 2018. I think they're going to put up plenty of points on the Titans and force the Titans to throw. Oh, I think they are definitely going to put up plenty of points on the Titans. I just don't think there's any chance the Titans run the ball fewer than 20 times. Like, Derrick Henry's getting 20 attempts if they're down 14 points in the second quarter, 14 it, points in the third quarter. 14, yes, if it's more than that, though, that's the concern. Right. So do yeah. the does the Chiefs' defense show up early as opposed to last week where they, you know, I mean, the punt, the punt block right. was a big part of that. But, you know, if the score is skewed in the tight in the Chiefs' favor so dramatically, this is going to be a big test for what Henry is facing because this is the toughest offense that they face so far in terms of what the explosiveness can be. Not that the Ravens or Patriots' offense is bad. Well, Patriots' offense, but, um, right. you know, diff- different animal. Yeah. All right, Ben, give me one player you like in DFS this week. I, I have A.J. Brown as my player. I, I think he's – it's a good time to get back on him. He struggled against really tough cornerback matchups. The Chiefs have been pretty good against receivers. I don't put them in that class. He, he struggled when he was shadowed by Marshawn Lattimore and shadowed by Stephon Gilmore. The Ravens don't really shadow, and, and I don't think he was shadowed last week, but very good against wide receivers as well. But I think A.J. Brown's a, a really top talent, and I think that they're going to trail and have to throw on the road. And I, I think we'll see him put up pretty big numbers. It's a good time to be back on him in DFS now that his price has dropped a little bit. Yeah, he's got two catches for 13 yards in the playoffs, but they're just not throwing. Ryan Tannehill's throwing, what, 29 passes in two games. You know, you got to hope that he'll throw 29 passes in this game. You know, if, if you're going to play A.J. Brown, who is the third most expensive wide receiver on FanDuel, and I don't quite remember on DraftKings pulling up a lineup now. He's fourth. Uh, but yeah, a little bit of a discount. Fourth. Okay, thanks. Jamie, one player that you like in DFS this week. I'll just stick with the same theme of the Titans. Uh, Johnny Smith, um, you know, he's I, – I do think the Titans are going to have to throw in this game. And, you know, Smith is the fourth most expensive tight end of the four that you would consider playing. You know, Kelsey, Kittle, Graham, and, and Smith. And the fact that he's behind Jimmy Graham on DraftKings, I don't know what he is on FanDuel, but – that is just, a, I think, a, a great buy at $3,400. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have to save money, most likely. It's just, you know, it's not a deep slate. It's only two games. So maybe that's one of the scrubs that you could go with. And the tight ends, it was Ferkser, I believe, in the first meeting who got a touchdown against yep. them. I like Mahomes because I don't like any of the quarterbacks this week other than Mahomes. I don't like Rodgers. I don't like Garoppolo because I think the, they're going to have more success running the ball. I, I can't trust Tannehill. So I, I think Mahomes was the guy that I gravitated toward. Is like, I got to get him in my lineup. I know it's expensive, but that's the, if I'm playing up for someone, it's Mahomes, guys. Why, why is it you can't trust Tannehill? Because he's thrown 29 passes in two games but, combined. But that's, that's with them playing with a significant lead, though. 
Yeah, maybe. So, look, I guess the, if, if I like Mahomes, I should probably like Ryan Tannehill, right? Because Tannehill's going to have to throw. So he would be my second favorite. But I don't know. Just what what's going to happen when they get near the end zone? It's going to be Derrick Henry. Uh, I Yeah, I mean, but, I but just, still, the fact that he threw as little as he has, I mean, he's got 160 passing yards in two games. Um, is it 160 or 130? 100, one, one of those two. Under 200 yards passing in two games. He got three touchdowns last week, four total for the playoffs. So it's not like he's not scoring. Yeah, that's that's fluky. No, but he was terrible against the Patriots. So well, Terrible or just throws. didn't do much? Yeah. yeah. No, he was terrible for fantasy. He was terrible for fantasy. Right, he, he but pretty much if nothing. you, if you like think the points. Chiefs are going to play with a lead, you have to like Tano. Or you should like Tano. I, I think that makes sense, unless you just think the Chiefs might blow him out, which, you know, it's possible, but probably not. I mean, let's give the Titans some respect. All right, that makes sense. Put it this way. I'm avoiding the uh, quarterbacks in the NFC game. Um, so that would be the player I don't like in DFS. Heath, who's a player you don't like? So you took two players for the player you don't like? <laughs> sure. Okay, I'm going to go with Aaron Jones. I might play both the running backs from the Chiefs-Titans. I might play Derrick Henry and Damian Wayne my two favorite running backs because I have no idea what the 49ers are going to do like we didn't for most of the year. So I'll say Aaron Jones against that 49ers defense. Okay, Ben, don't like. I, w- I had Aaron Jones as my don't like. I'll, I'll jump over to Tevin Coleman. I-, I think, you know, he had a big game last week, but he had 22 carries and they ran – a significant number of times because Mostert still had 12 and and Breida had, I think, eight. So they, they yep. ran over 40 times to their running backs. I mean, I don't think they're going to run 40 times to their backs most weeks. Uh, you know, I, I think obviously as home favorites, it's a good spot. But I would rather go over to Mostert and, and hope that maybe he gets the touchdowns this week than ride Coleman after he had the, the big game last week. Yeah. Oh, man, there is such a big difference on DraftKings between Coleman and Mostert. And it's really not that small on... On FanDuel either, Coleman's 700 more than Mostert, so I, that caught my eye. Uh, wouldn't you rather just spend less on Raheem Mostert than than more on Tevin Coleman? Uh, Jamie, who are you avoiding? Uh, Derek Henry. Uh, just the the cost. Uh, it's it's hard. I think Heath's right. He could have a big game, and, and Adam, like you said, he could be the one scoring touchdowns, but this just feels like this is where the, the run stops, and he doesn't have that big performance for what the cost is. And he's $1,000 more than Mahomes on DraftKings, and he's 300 more than Mahomes on FanDuel. So He's 1,700 more than, than Damian Williams, who I think can have a big game as well. And then it's a matter of, do you want to go cheap with Mostert, which I think is the most logical pairing if you're looking at the running back plays. If you want to avoid Henry, you play Damian and you play Mostert and just hope that, you know, like what Ben said, um, Mostert had a six-game scoring streak stop last week where he had eight touchdowns in those six games. And the 12 carries that he had was the most since the last time he faced the Packers, which was week 12. So despite the fact that he had a calf cramp and Tevin Coleman was having a big game, they still gave Mostert a significant amount of carries. So if he's getting 12-plus carries, I think that's a good opportunity for him. Like I said, he did score against the Packers in that week 12 meeting. By the way, Heath, the yeah. original player that I was going to say that I didn't like in DFS was Aaron Jones. So you're welcome for not taking him. You took two you know, we all hate him. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, welcome back, Jamie, from the FSGAAs, the <laughs> uh, Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association Awards. And you are a back-to-back winner of Best Analyst, which is amazing. It's hard to win those things back-to-back. So a huge congratulations to you. Well you. done. And how, you. was your, uh, how was your time in Vegas? Uh, first off, I'll, I'll, I'll start with the award. Um, you know, uh, it, it, I'm not the type of person that likes these things. So, you know, I, I, I think it's certainly a credit to all of us and everything that we do here. Um, so I, I like to think that this is a, a, a team award. 
uh, you know, the the three of us, uh, the the three of you, um, uh, along with Dave and our producers, um, you know, the the people behind the scenes that don't get a lot of credit. You know, I, I think it goes, it speaks to all of us and the work that we do here at CBS Sports. So, um, you know, this is something I would say congratulations to all of us. Um, the the cool thing about the uh, the conference, which is the first time I've gone, um, is the chance to meet all the people in the in the industry, which is so amazing and it's just such a great group of people um you know we compete with them you know i, I use that word loosely but this first time i met like the fantasy footballers right. for example and like you know you want to hate them because they're they're <laughs> they're so good at what they do um and here these guys are who are you know at at, at the the peak of the business they won the podcast award um you know they're they're a fantastic group of guys and here they are saying that they got their start essentially from i know they've said this to you adam before and they referenced it um from listening to us, right. you know, and, and that's something that is like so flattering to hear. Uh, there was one story in particular that that sort of struck with me. I, I'm not going to say the person's name, but um, said that there was some conversation about this other analyst um, reference to us many, many years ago. And Adam, we brought that person on on the show when they were at a much smaller site. And because of that appearance on the show, they went from the small site to a, a bigger site and from a bigger site to now one of the the major sites and, and this person was telling me you know how influential that just appearance was and so you know I, obviously i've been doing this a long time now it's almost 15 years for me so i'm, I'm one of the older members of our, our fantasy community which feels weird um but you hear stories like that and it's just like you know so flattering and, and just sort of blows you away and i i think you know that that's something that's really cool the other thing that was just awesome is you know i was there chris towers was there ben trager was there um so many people talking about all of you guys and asking about all of you guys, you know, um, Ben in, in particular, you know, the, the, the people that know you, Ben, were asking, uh, you know, just how, how nice it is to have you part of the, the, the group now, um, you know, Heath and, and, and the things that you've done, you know, since, since joining the crew, um, Adam, you know, they were, they were saying, do you really not leave your house at all? Um, mm -hmm. It's true. Know things like that but it, it's just it, it's just it, it just was really really a, a great experience and um you know I'm, I'm really thankful for the fsga for the uh, award and and thankful for our fantasy community to be able to spend some time with uh with a lot of the guys that do a lot of just amazing amazing work and congratulations to all the other winners as well yeah and I have no idea who you were talking about with the analysts that we brought on our show. I'll tell you, I'll tell you off the air. You know, it was a yeah, story that I was figured. that was shared with me, you know, privately, and I didn't want to necessarily, you know, you know, make it make it public. Uh, one, one other thing, just because he's uh, he's done such great work, you know, congratulations to Scott Fish, who was named the Humanitarian uh, of the Year from the FSGA. Um, he does just such fantastic, you know, endeavors with the uh, Fantasy Cares and and the Scott Fish Bowl. Um, you know, I, I've said this. At the uh, ceremony, I just Heath and I were talking about it off the air. That they should change the name of the award to the Scott Fish Humanitarian Award, and and Heath brought up a good suggestion that Scott should be able to pick the winner uh, of of that or, or give that honor. It's uh, not really winner, uh, give that honor. And so, um, you know, Scott, congratulations to you as well. Yeah, congratulations to everybody, especially Scott and uh, to Jamie, to all the winners out there. And uh, yeah, good stuff. And we're glad to have back you back, Jamie. You I hope back. Back to back. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. days off. No days off. Um, kinda, hey, kinda, listen, kinda CBS happen. Sports. <laughs> CBS, yeah, exactly. CBS Sports HQ. Uh, make sure you're watching fantasy football today. We'll have some off-season shows. We're going to be doing shows from the Super Bowl from me from uh, Radio Row the week leading up to the Super Bowl. So download the CBS Sports HQ app and start watching it for free on your Roku, on your Apple TV, your Amazon Fire, wherever. We got the uh, McGregor stuff going on. I'm not a big... Uh, 
combat sports guy, but I know who McGregor is, and I know he's in the news. So you should listen to the State of Combat podcast because they crush it. All right, great combat podcast. Boxing, MMA, wrestling. Uh, the wrestling shows are so fun. State of Combat, uh, check that out. And watch our show on YouTube at youtube.com slash today. youtube.com slash today. I have a cool new background. It's awesome. All right, guys, let's talk about wide receivers. Sum up the wide receiver position in one to three sentences, Ben Gretsch. Yeah, I'll say revitalized. I mean, a couple of years ago, we had A.B., Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas, Jordy Nelson, A.J. Green, those types of guys at the top that aren't there anymore. And I just love the depth heading into 2020. I'm just going to name off some names as, as my one to three sentences here. It's going to be a lot longer than that. But <laughs> Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup, Kenny Galladay, D.J. Moore, Devontae Parker, Michael Gallup, Calvin Ridley, DJ Chark, Tyler Boyd, Cortland Sutton, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Darius Slayton, Preston Williams, maybe Marquise Brown, a reemergence by A-Rob. He's only 26. There is so many young receivers that had great 2019s that this position's in really, really good shape going to 2020. Okay, that was that was only two sentences. Good job, Heath. One to three <laughs> sentences. On the wide receiver position. Almost exactly what I had planned on talking about, except in a little bit different way, but just with the youth coming. I'll flip it around on the other side, and this is not describing the position, but I think it's another thing to watch out. I think Ben described it perfectly. Watch out for the old guys. Um, Julio turned 30. T.Y. Hilton's now going to be 30. A.J. Green's going to try to come back at 32. Guys like Marvin Jones. I, I would watch out for those old guys heading into this year and beyond. In a positive way or a negative? Negative way. way. Negative way. Yeah. I mean, really, though, for the most the part, wide, we've seen wide receiver position. Negative from like, for, except, except for Julio. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I think it kind of speaks to what both these guys were saying. Um, more saturated, but in a good way. You know, so the the guys at the top, I think we, we saw they they faded a little bit, but we're seeing you know just uh, a potential for guys to sort of crack the. The top 24, the top 30, whatever number you want to put it at. We saw that this year, you know, from guys who had potential once upon a time, like a Devontae Parker or a, a DJ Chark, who, you know, sort of took a, a maybe a bigger leap than anybody expected. Darius Slayton, you know, somebody like that, um, aside from just the top tier rookies that we saw. So it, I think it's going to be interesting to see when we get to drafts, how many people gravitate toward wide receivers early or just kind of say, I'm going to wait a little bit and hope to take three to five good guys starting maybe in round. It's almost like, you know, um, uh, the the reverse of, of waiting on running backs. Um, you know, just, just sort of doing the same thing with receivers. And my sentences to sum up wide receiver, much worse than 2018, but still not bad. But the elite guys disappointed. If you look at the top 12 in average draft position, only four of them finish as top 12 wide receivers in PPR. Going back to, you look at Fantasy Pros ADP, which is almost identical to CBS ADP. Uh, it was Hopkins, Adams, Julio, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Beckham, Juju, Evans, Antonio Brown, Thielen, Keenan Allen, and Diggs. Only four of those 12 finished as top 12 wide receivers. And I think the big question is, you know, you talk about all this youth and you talk about watch out for the older guys. You know, how are you going to approach it in 2020? Is it, are we seeing a true changing of the guard or are we maybe another year away from that? You know, like, how much time do those, those wide receiver have been a pretty stable position? I felt like we were really getting a lot of the same name showing up in ADP toward the top. This, these guys who, had, who are really carving out great careers. It was an era of great wide receivers. You, you know, are we seeing the end of that era 
you know, how, how much into that transition are we of out with the old and with the new? I'd say right in the middle of it. I think it's going to be really tough this year to contrast those guys that made the leap into the top 12 last year, but we probably expect them to slide a little bit. And the guys that we drafted in the top 12 that weren't that good, but we expect them to bounce back a little bit. And they're all going to be kind of right there in the middle. I'm not sure they're quite going to be available round four, round five. It's going to be like that round three range is going to be a ton of wide receivers. Some of them who we don't think will be quite as good as they were last year. And some of them who I think will bounce back. Yeah. I I mean, I I think the reason I said that round four range is like, I'm thinking of, like Robert Woods and, yeah. you know, where will Juju settle? Well, Cooper Cup, you know, um, you're going to get a, a run, I think, round two, round three of, you know, the right. top 12 guys will be gone. It's I think it's that 13 through 25 group, 13 through 30 group. Right. You know, of and I think that's the group that's going to really determine how a lot of your teams look if you don't invest early in, in one of those top tier guys with the hope that they are still great. You know, that's the the group I think that's going to determine a big part of what this position looks like in 2020. Okay. So, yeah, are you going to take DJ Moore over Juju Smith-Schuster or Odell Beckham? Are you going to take one of those rookie-wide receivers over like a Keenan Allen or something like that? We will talk about that in just one moment. Let's take a quick break here on Fantasy Football Today. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, welcome back. Let's pick it up right there in that uh, conversation of kind of out with the old, in with the new. And, and Ben, I wanted to get your take on that. How about this? Give me, let's say, some of the younger guys that you think are ready to be elite, if they're not already, and some of the older guys that you're putting behind these young studs that you like. Yeah, I, I mean, DJ Moore and AJ Brown are two that stand out for me um, pretty quickly. You never, you never talk about I, those guys. I know. I never have really ever mentioned him, but I, you know, I think Cortland Sutton's another another one that I, I feel very strongly about. Um, Calvin Ridley, I think, is going to go overlooked as a guy who definitely took a step forward because his final line pretty much matched his his rookie season line, but he did it in three fewer games, and he was a much better after Sanu got traded. I expect him to be very good in year three. Um, but I, I one of the thing I'm going to kind of pivot away from your your question about the veterans. One of the things I wanted to mention was guys like Christian Kirk and Will Fuller. Mike Williams, Curtis Samuel, those are guys I didn't name when I named like 18 guys who had big 2019s. Those guys are all going to be values next year. I mean, I think this receiver position, the the big thing about the depth is I don't know that you have to necessarily pay up in the round three or round four range. And, and Jamie was kind of mentioning this. I think you're still going to be able to get really good receivers next year in round five, round six, round seven. Um, and, and I've talked about that range as the kind of running back dead zone already going into this past season. I know this coming year i'll be spending those rounds really heavily investing in wide receiver and you know what round five and round six were pretty good this year for wide receiver that's where not necessarily in our drafts but based on cbs adp round five we had tyler lockett kenny galladay cooper cup and chris godwin and ty hilton and calvin ridley round five was awesome this year um they went behind you know round four wasn't bad Diggs, cooper cooks it was bad edelman robert woods but, yeah, round five was a sweet spot in wide receiver 
average draft position. Well, Adam, I want to just give some. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, you know, we've already done a couple drafts. And, you know, just looking at round five already, this is our PPR one, which we did two weeks ago. Calvin Ridley, Devontae Parker, Cortland Sutton. Uh, those guys were in round five. Round six was Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, DJ Chark, AJ Green, T.Y. Hilton, Tyler Boyd, Christian Kirk, John Brown. I mean, that's a pretty good group. Yeah. How how are we feeling wide receiver versus running back right now? I know that's a very generic question that probably requires an hour to truly answer. But Heath, if some you know if somebody said to you like, "Hey, I'm doing a draft, and I don't know, should I favor wide receivers or running backs?" Like, what's your take? I think it's totally going to depend on where you're at in the draft and who you're drafting with. Like, if you're drafting when we do these drafts with me and Jamie and Dave, and now Ben's involved, so it's not quite that much. But I used to always know that I'm not going to get any running backs because Dave's drafting for four teams and he's going to draft six running backs on each team. Right. Um, so I think you do have to kind of know. But I still feel like other than Michael Thomas, the elite running backs are better than the elite wide receivers and the mid-range wide receivers are better than the mid-range running backs. Say that again. The elite running backs yeah. are better than the elite receivers except for Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. And okay. the like high end mid range wide receivers all the way through the full mid range are better than the running back options right now. And how yeah, the, the rookies right, how are many, gonna change. Right. Yeah, how many wide receivers do you think deserve to be drafted in round one? And before you answer that, if you look at the splits, like we keep talking about DeAndre Hopkins with Will Fuller and Will Fuller's healthy games. Um, if you also look at the splits of Julio Jones with Calvin Ridley. He was on pace for 145 targets, uh, five touchdowns, 92 catches, 1,355 yards. Good, but not great. You look at Julio Jones' final season numbers, like he went berserk the last three games of the year after the Ridley injury. So those two guys, you know, they took a step back when everybody was healthy. So with that said, how many wide receivers do you think right now deserve to be first-round picks? I'd lean towards three. Which three? Well, obviously, Michael Thomas. I think I'll probably have Hopkins and Julio in the first round, but I, I mean, I I don't know for sure who will be number three, but I I would expect I'm probably going to have eight running backs, Travis Kelsey, and three receivers. Yeah, I'm probably about that 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 number three. I think Tyree Kill and Devonta Adams will also be in that discussion uh, as you know, top three, top five guys in, in the the end of the first, early second round, maybe. But uh, I do think most of everything we're saying points towards yeah you can go running back early and you should invest in some of these workhorse running backs early and and still get receivers later so it it shouldn't be receiver heavy early on yeah i i think you know probably four for me would be the the most with thomas for me adams is two and then hopkins and julio and let's let's talk about tampa bay real quick here because based on last year chris godwin and mike evans they should be first-round picks. They were on a per-game basis. Both of them were top four wide receivers in PPR. I mean, that is crazy. Two wide receivers on one team, Jamie. So, you know, I don't know that they're going to show up necessarily in, like, people's top five. Certainly not in the top four, based on what we were just hearing, uh, which is fine. But where are you right now on the Bucks wide receivers, Godwin and Evans? And who do you like better? Start with that. Right now, I'm still Evans over Godwin, but I'm going to probably go back and forth on that 100 times in the next few weeks, a few months. Um I think it's going to come down to Jameis. You know, is, is he the quarterback? If, if they move on from him and it's a rookie or is it, you know, I mean, it could be Tom Brady. You know, we've heard that as a potential landing spot for him. That will be the, a big determining factor. But if it's status quo, uh, Jameis and, and those two guys, assuming both are healthy, 
then I think they're both early second round picks. I think, you know, PPR more so than non-PPR, but top 15 selections. I, I think they both showed themselves to be pretty fantastic last year. So I like to stir the pot. You said Tom Brady. If Tom Brady goes to the Buccaneers, it's a downgrade, right? Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's probably good for Godwin, and it's a major downgrade. For I, I, I don't think there's any free agent that makes them better. No. You know, unless Breeze, you know, you can make an argument right. be there. But uh, if it's a rookie <clears throat> or if it's, you know, they're taking a chance on a Bridgewater or, you know, somebody non-Jameis, you know, Jameis is a perfect fit for those guys. You know, with what Bruce Arians does and what those guys are capable of doing. I mean, we saw it last year. They were, they were absolute stars. Yeah, I'll have Evans in my top five, I would guess, and Godwin probably around seven or eight. Okay. So Odell Beckham and Juju Smith-Schuster, who thinks one of these guys can bounce back and be elite again? Sure, either of them. Apparently could. no one. No, I think they could. Yeah, I do. I, th- I think... Well, I, look at our drafts. I mean, I think I took Odell in go? the fourth round. Um, no, he didn't make it to the fourth round. Um, cause I, Adam- took, I think I took Odell in the fourth round in the uh, non-PPR, which I was like shocked about i wanted to take aj brown but i was like i i, I ended up taking odell over aj brown i mean um juju went good, with the uh, second idea. pick second pick of round two in the ppr one odell went in round three uh to me to you i'll check the non-ppr one in a second um Here, here's something that that does that i did notice about odell Beckham. it's not two years in a row and one with Beckham, one without, that Jarvis Landry has been the red zone darling and the green zone darling of the Cleveland Browns. He had he had as many green zone or inside the 10-yard line targets as Beckham had in the red zone this year, and Jarvis Landry was third in the NFL in red zone targets. So I don't like that, but I also mentioned it like 100 times. They played an extremely difficult schedule. Uh, he played... Beckham had only three matchups against teams that ranked in the bottom 10 in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, and he was awesome in two of those three games. Uh, so, I look, he was playing hurt all year. I know he's risky. As Jamie mentioned, I took him in the middle of the third round, so it was about 30th overall in PPR. Ben got him in the fourth round in non-PPR. Jamie, is there something you wanted to add? I think I... No, no, no. I, I think the, the one thing that's, that's you know, going to be interesting to see is now with Stefanski as the head coach... Um, I think it's going to be a Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen situation again. You know, this just feels the same way. Um, two great receivers with an offense that's going to still want to run the ball and, and you know, do play action, get some boots, and get the quarterback out on the move. And is Mayfield did not support both guys at a high level on a consistent basis last year. Can he do that in this new offense? That's going to be the, the thing we have to figure out. Beckham in the fourth round is a, is a very good value. Oh, yeah. I think the third round is kind of where he's going to end up settling. Yeah, Ben, let me ask you about A.J. Brown because they, you know, how can you not be a little concerned about A.J. Brown based on what we've seen in the postseason? Now, look, Derrick Henry's not going to get 30 carries a game. They're going a little overboard here. But I was trying to look at wide receivers that were on teams that were in the bottom five in pass attempts per game. And in the last five seasons, there's only been one wide receiver who's been a top 10 PPR receiver on an offense that ranked bottom five in pass attempts. That was Doug Baldwin in 2016, I believe, and he was 10th. In the last three seasons, there have been only one wide receiver finished higher than 20th in PPR on on an offense that ranked in the bottom five in pass attempts. That was Tyler Lockett in 2018, and he was 16th. A.J. Brown himself was 21st this year, uh, and they were either last or second to last in pass attempts. But, you know, that's, that's a... It's kind of an interesting stat, I think. So 
you know, what do you make of that and your your love for AJ Brown? It probably relates to Debo Samuel as well, who I think we're all sort of excited about. Yeah, I mean, I think AJ Brown, you you made it right. You you made the right point that you have to be concerned about the volume. But um, and one thing I would note, we just did those two mocks. I didn't take AJ Brown in either. And you know, when I had this same kind of excitement about DJ Moore last year, I think I was getting him in almost every single mock we were doing because I really liked the value. I think right now Brown is um, properly valued. I don't think he's like a screaming value, at least if, judging by the two drafts that we've done. There's a lot of excitement about him. Um, there's a lot of reason to be really optimistic about him long-term as an elite talent. He was a really, really good age-adjusted producer in college. And one of the things that I really love about that, now that we circle back, is he played alongside DK Metcalf. He played alongside Dawson Knox. And now that we've seen those guys do a little something in the NFL, it puts into perspective even more how dominant A.J. Brown's production was alongside those guys. Uh, You don't necessarily see that as much like when Odell and Jarvis Landry played it together at LSU they, they stole production from each other uh, DK Metcalf was banged up a little bit during that time but there was a season he played almost the he played 12 games and then and then the next season he played seven or so but AJ Brown just absolutely destroyed his production while they were playing together and then you you see Metcalf produce at the NFL level and you say man AJ Brown is a legitimate number one wide receiver who will produce the problem is yeah will they throw enough and all of those things but you can go to tape as well. I mean, the guy looks like Terrell Owens. He plays so physical after the catch. I think he's going to be a star. The The question is, will he get enough targets, as you said? And I, I don't think you can draft him as a top five or top seven receiver because of that concern. And I, I started yesterday on my t- building the 2020 projections. And actually, I started with the AFC South. So I've already made a projection, a very, very early projection for A.J. Brown. And it was funny because I do think he gets more targets next year. I've got him for 20 more targets, 12 more catches. But he's not going to average 12 and a half yards per target again. That was amazing that he did that. Nobody does that again. So I've actually got him for 20 fewer yards uh, 64 for 1,029 and seven touchdowns. Probably going to be a low end number two, if I was guessing. Which is what he was this year. But of course, that was like with Tannehill, he was like a high end number one. You know, I mean, with Mariota, right. he was terrible. But And um, snaps ticked right, up. So, his snaps ticked yeah. up throughout the year. So I wouldn't look at his full year number. He played in the 40% of snap shares all through September and then around 60% all through October. And then he finally was full time. At like week 10. It's, it's just a weird combination where he's going to have a lot more opportunities and he's definitely not going to be as efficient as he was. And so he, right. his production may look pretty similar, even though it comes in a little different way. All right. I'm going to start. I'm going to do sleepers, breakouts and bust. I'm actually going to start with a bust and let you guys uh, talk about it a little bit. I'm nervous about Devonte Parker. I really wanted him in the draft we did. He went in the middle of round five uh, in the PPR draft as a three receiver league. And I was two spots away and I was hoping to get him. But I think, you know, look, his splits were dramatically different with Preston Williams and without Preston Williams. I think he probably showed enough to earn, you know, a bigger role, even if Preston Williams comes back and he's healthy and whatnot. But I look, if they keep Fitzpatrick, I'll like Parker. But the way I see it now is if they don't, they're going to have a downgraded quarterback. If it's Josh Rosen, like he's awful. If it's Tua or something, that seems far fetched, you know. So I'm nervous about Devontae Parker. Thrilled with the way he played. He was awesome against some of the toughest competition in football. But I, I worry about the situation for him next year. No, agree. Agree. I think, I think Fitzpatrick okay. is important to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he was who, way uh, better with for you guys. Bust for me, Bust Stephon for Diggs. Oh. oh, no. We're going to have a fight. Why? 
No, that's, <laughs> no I we mean, already did that. <laughs> Adam already told me that Jamie's not happy with the Evan of top. Oh 10. yeah, in top I, ten. I mean, no, yeah, no, that's that's terrible. So, uh, I, I and I said on the show that uh, he probably won't wind up in my top ten, and I will say that when I was making that top ten, I felt very strongly that I could have put about twenty players right there at the back end of the top ten. I think there's a really so who were the other nineteen that you, you? AJ Brown was one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> AJ Brown was absolutely one. He was almost almost the wide receiver dead on my list. I'll say Julian Edelman for my bus. I think it's pretty obvious that this will be the last very good season of his career. He's going to be 33. He's always had injury problems. It was only his third 16-game season of his career. We know Tom Brady's falling off. This is not not a guy that you want to be taking in round three, four, wherever he goes, just because he had a 100-catch season in 2019. Heath? Um, Things will have to happen for this to actually him to be drafted in a place that he can be a bust, but I'm going to say A.J. Green. I just worry at his age, he's going to be 32 years old, didn't even play last year. I think people are going to get excited when they draft Joe Burrow and then A.J. Green's going to come back and they're going to treat A.J. Green like a top 15, top 20 wide receiver. And I don't think he's going to be that anymore. I'm not so sure he's going to be the number one wide receiver on the team. All right. How about some sleepers slash breakouts, guys that we think are going to be good draft values at wide receiver? Uh, ben Nicole Hardman. Yeah, I don't know if Sammy Watkins will be back. I think he was really efficient. I mean... uh Heath just mentioned A.J. Brown's efficiency, which was almost tops in the league. But Hardman, I think, even had a better yards per target, a lot fewer targets, obviously, but was very explosive when he got opportunities this year. I don't know that Sammy Watkins will be back. If Michael Hardman is a is a starter in this Kansas City offense, he's going to be a star. Jamie and Heath, would you like to talk now? I thought Jamie was starting. So I was oh, like, no, I I think Ben mentioned one earlier you know, from breakouts. Calvin Ridley. Uh, I think he's going to get a little overlooked just because of the injury at the end of the season, and you know for whatever reason, I think people are sort of down on the Falcons. Which, you know, if you look at their team, is that's sort of understandable. But you know, entering his third year, Julio is going to probably start to take a little bit of a slide production wise. Um, Ridley's numbers were identical uh, almost to a T, and you know. At, this is, I think, the, the the type of third year breakout. You you know, I talk about that all the time with the third year receivers. That this is the type of guy that I love is you know very productive in his first two years and the chance to really take that next step forward. And I think he's going to do it. I'll take DK Metcalf. Um, I think we all loved his athleticism and his ability coming in. We thought, man, he's a project. He's going to take a little time. He can't turn all the jokes. He did things in the playoffs that he couldn't do at the beginning of the year. And the fact that as raw as he was, he put up 900 yards in his rookie year. He might be a top 12 wide receiver next year. And I, I had him in my top 12 for dynasty wide receivers. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about him. Cool. All right. So let's talk a little DFS here. Let's make some lineups on FanDuel and DraftKings. And uh, we'll start with the AFC game, Tennessee and Kansas City. And I guess, Heath, let me start with you. If you're going to put Derrick Henry in your lineup, you talked about the scrubs Mm -hmm. that you need to to complete it, and you said there are a lot of them. Who are some of the scrubs, whether it's from this game or the other game, that you like this week that you can surround Derrick Henry with? They are all wide receivers. I've not found, and I'm only looking at FanDuel, I've not found a scrub at any other position that I want to play um, but there's a bunch of them, and several of them are actually from this game. I think Mecole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson had a terrible game last week, but he still saw four targets. He's playing with Patrick Mahomes. At any point, one of those targets could turn into a touchdown. So Hardman and Robinson are both below 5,000. Corey Davis is right at 5,000, and he's not what I was hoping he would be, but in a 
situation where we think they could be chasing points, he could definitely score a garbage time touchdown. And then if Alan Lazard plays, I think one of those Green Bay wide receivers, so much was made about how Devontae Adams basically had all the receiver production. 49ers have a very good defense. They're going to do their best to take away Adams. One of the secondary receivers from the Packers, I think, could be a good option. Okay, and philosophically, with a two-game slate, you know, would you rather... So, for example, right, I've got some studs in there. I've got Mahomes, uh, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and George Kittle in my FanDuel lineup. Would you rather have, like, more balance, or are you okay having... Studs nope. and du- you want studs and duds. It, uh, in my opinion, and and Ben might think that, or Jamie might think something different, but in my opinion, on a two game slate, it is that much more important that you have the top overall place because there's not really any any way to overcome that. If somebody's going to score forty this week, you've got to have that guy or you lose. So I want to play the three or four guys that I think could be the top scoring players at their position. Yeah, the the thing that's going to win this for you is going to be the the fluke play. It's not going to be right. the the stud going off because everybody's going to play some level of these superstar players. There's going to be so many people with Mahomes, with Kelsey, with Kittle, with Tyreek. It's just, it's hard to avoid it. It's, you want to make sure you have those numbers and then hope that you hit on a uh, Mikol Hardman or uh, like for me, it's Kendrick Bourne. You know, I think you've seen enough of him. He's like four, three, t- three touchdowns in his last five games or six games, whatever it is. Um, you know, that's the type of, of, of guy you need to, to set you apart, but you can't overlook those stud players. When I when I construct these lineups, I on a small slate like this, and, and both guys are right. These guys are going to have massive uh, massive ownership percentages. Everyone, any anyone who's a notable name is going to be in a ton of lineups, right? So I'm thinking of it two ways. One, who am I putting in my lineup, and I'm making a decision that I think that player is going to do well. And anyone that I'm not putting in my lineup, I'm making a conscious decision that I think that player is going to do poorly. Because if I anyone that I leave out of my lineup who is uh, you know is a vaguely popular name who does well is going to sink me because they're going to have massive ownership percentage. All, all those names you named, George Kittle, Tyree Kittle, Devonta Adams, Patrick Mahomes. If I don't play any of those guys, I'm making a conscious decision that that player is going to underperform or else I lose. And if they underperform, I want to know who in that game will perform well if they do. And for instance, if you don't play Patrick Mahomes, you're probably playing Derrick Henry. You think that they're going to run the ball. The Titans are going to run the ball, maybe win, you know, and, and control the game. If you don't play Devonte Adams, you might be playing Aaron Jones, right? So, you want to consider how these things all correlate, and, and when you're making a decision not to put a high-owned guy in your lineup, you're, you're making a decision to fade that player. He has to do poorly, or you're, or you're going to be sunk. So maybe pairing Patrick Mahomes and A.J. Brown would make sense? Is that kind of what yes. you're saying? Yeah. Right. Now, the reason why we didn't want to start Aaron Jones is the 49ers defense has just been unbelievable against the run in their last eight games. No running back has 70 rushing yards. You are talking about Aaron Jones, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Freeman, and Dalvin Cook. They all scored five or fewer non-PPR fantasy points and seven or fewer PPR fantasy points. Dalvin Cook did not even have 20 rushing guards last week. So, And they're also the best against pass-catching running backs. So that's why we are getting away from Aaron Jones this week. Uh, I don't know that we'll necessarily break down the games, but let, let's just talk about it. Like, Jamie, talk to EFS. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it open-ended and what you want to do this week. I want to play Mahomes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I think there's, you know, we sort of touched on this earlier. I think there's two quarterbacks that make sense. It's Mahomes and Tannehill because of how that game should go. I'm going to avoid Henry because how I think that game is going to go. 
I just don't think that he's going to have the same heights that we've seen, the same ceiling that he's reached. I think that A.J. Brown has a chance to bounce back because of game flow. John Smith, like I said, is somebody who's a good cheap option. But it's it's a it's a weird slate because of the the way that these four teams are sort of structured and the defenses that they're facing. Aaron Jones is is one of two Packers that you should like, but it's hard to play him. So really, for me, the only Packers guy that I like to the extent of wanting to play is Devonta Adams. And for the 49ers, it's really just Raheem Mostert based on his price, unless you want to play Kittle or Samuel. But you know those guys, I, I think, are, are sort of can be replaced with some other options. So you know Mostert is my favorite 49ers guy. Devonta is my favorite Packers guy from that game. And I, for the most part, I'm just avoiding that game. I'm just play as many Chiefs and Titans as I can. Do you yeah. want my lineup, Adam? Yeah, let's do lineups. All right. So I've got Mahomes, Derrick Henry, and Damian Williams. Actually, it's just a full Chiefs stack, except no Tyreek. So Mahomes, Damian Williams, Mecole Hardman, and Travis Kelsey. And then I've got my other receivers are Corey Davis and Debo Samuel. I've got Alan Lazard in the flex and the Packers defense as the cheapest option. How much do you care about defense? I also ended up with the Packers. That was not by design. I don't really like the only, I don't really like any of the defenses. So I don't care that much. They're about $600 apart. You're hoping for a pick six. And I think really the most likely quarterback to throw an interception is probably Garoppolo. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, and this is on FanDuel, by the way. This is Heat's FanDuel lineup. I want to talk about Tyreek Hill. You said he's not in your lineup, he is in mine. And he really hasn't been very good. Since he came back from the injury, he's not getting a lot of targets. Uh, Since coming back from the injury that he suffered in that game, I believe it was in Mexico City against the Chargers, he's had eight, eight, seven, five, five, and four targets in his last six games. Talking about Tyreek Hill, Ben, who had 41 yards in a game in which the Chiefs scored a touchdown on seven consecutive possessions and and Patrick Mahomes scored five touchdowns. Uh, I have the tendency to just put my faith in him. I know he's been a streaky player in his career, and he always has massive upside. But is is Tyree Kill, do you think he – is he a trap this week? No. <laughs> I, I will never say Tyree Kill is a trap. He's the kind of player that can – you just said it. He's streaky. He's uh, explosive. He can completely change the the slate with, with one play, right? So – I, I'll be back on him. I had a lot of him last week. I had Mahomes as my quarterback, and I think every single lineup I did um, for the full weekend slate. And I didn't stack him with Kelsey and Damian enough. I did. I had I had Hill in a ton of lineups, and I'll I'll be right back on that. I mean, even though it didn't work for me last week, I'm very content with with that um, structure. Uh, you know, I think teams focus on taking him away more than other team more than than other players, but I, I don't think that it's easy to do. For, for as long as teams have been able to do it. I think he's going to have a big game either this week or if they make it into the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl. The nice thing about it is is that when he faced them the last time, obviously it was a different game. I don't think it's going to go the same way, but 11 catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown on 19 targets. That would be amazing. you take that all day. Uh, I like the fact that he's talking trash, though, about that they, no one can guard their right. receivers. You know, So um, you know maybe that's... Uh, Something Mahomes wants to allow him to to prove that, but I, I think it kind of goes with what Ben is saying. You, you don't want to, and, and I know you feel this way, Adam, but you you don't want to miss out on that if you can play. It, it, you really can't play both Hill and Kelsey. It's just almost difficult to do if you're going to have some semblance of a good running back. And so you have to sort of pick um, if you want to have one of those two guys. Uh, if you can make make it both work, then you're you're sacrificing probably somewhere else. But it's hard to overlook what those guys will do. I just don't think you're going to get monster games from both of them like we saw last week, where it was Kelsey going off and Hill not doing very much. 
All right, I'll get a lineup from Jamie, get a lineup from Ben, and I'll give a lineup. And uh, just final question here. Well, I do want to point out, if you're thinking about playing Devontae Adams against the 49ers, 49ers have actually kind of struggled against wide receivers lately. They've allowed uh, a touchdown to eight wide receivers in their last five games. The elite ones have really kind of gone off on them. Michael Thomas obviously had a huge game, 134 yards and a touchdown. Julio Jones, 134 yards and two touchdowns. Robert Woods, 117 yards. They all had double-digit targets. And Devontae Adams will probably have that because he's had double-digit targets in seven of his last eight games since returning from injury. So I like him a lot. I think he's worth the price. Um, Kittle versus Kelsey. Kelsey's a lot more expensive. What side of this are we on? Uh, Kittle versus Kelsey, Jamie, Heath, Ben. I mean, they, look, Kettle was disappointing last week, but you know he's he's always in play. The Packers, you know, their their defense has been better against tight ends of late, but I still think that's a weak point for them. It just, I think, comes down to what you want to spend. You know, if you want to sort of go a different route, then Kittle makes a lot more sense. But Kelsey, at this point, it's hard to say. I don't feel confident in him. If anybody's you know been watching no. the, the who, Chiefs, who's a better who's a better value? Who the do you think is a better value? Kid, I mean, well, what's the difference? What's okay. the price difference yeah. on DraftKings? The, like a thirteen hundred or something. It's eight hundred dollars yeah. on Fanduel. So I'm it's thirteen hundred on DraftKings. Yeah, I would play Kittle on DraftKings. I'd play Kelsey on FanDuel. Uh, ben, give me your favorite lineup. Uh, you know, I honestly haven't even started building them. I just threw one together though. Uh, like this is an idea of the kind of tournament lineup I'd build. It'd be Mahomes, Damian Williams, and Tyreek Hill. Bring that back with AJ Brown and John New Smith. You're kind of expecting a little bit of passing on both sides. Casey getting out in front, and then. The way that I built this lineup, I put Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman in the lineup and the San Francisco defense, and you're essentially hoping for a a San Francisco dominant performance where they're running the ball 30, 40 times, and I added Emmanuel Sanders in there as well. So I I didn't play a single Packer, and I think that's another thing you can think about on two-game slates is how these game flows are going to go and and what that means for the overall statistics. And so this would be you know Casey and Tennessee, a little bit of a shootout, and San Francisco dominating Green Bay. That's a DraftKings lineup or a FanDuel lineup? I was a FanDuel lineup. I have an almost identical lineup on DraftKings. I have Mahomes, Damian Williams, and Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, and A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel instead of Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I have George Kittle at tight end. I have Jamal Williams as my flex. He's extremely cheap. Uh, he's kind of a dud that I'm putting in there. Look, he had almost no work, but sometimes we see that first game back after an injury. So yeah, great uh, game against a little the bit of a Hail Mary. Oh, okay. I didn't even remember that. Um, yeah, I think he had, but, you know, uh, he when had he's seven healthy, catches in that game. Right, and I'm thinking they could be trailing here. So uh, so Jamal Williams, I don't expect a lot from him, but look, that could be the kind of play that makes you stand out. Nobody's going to want Jamal Williams. And the 49ers DST. Uh, Jamie, uh, your favorite lineup. It's very similar. This is on DraftKings. Uh, I have Mahomes, Mostert, and Damian Williams. Uh, Tyree Kill, A.J. Brown. I have Kendrick Bourne as my third receiver. John New Smith at tight end. Devontae Adams at flex. And then the 49ers defense. Looks like the 49ers defense on DraftKings, and Heath said the Packers defense on FanDuel, which is also what I have. All right, I think you, I think you all get a sense of who we like this week. So good luck in DFS, and uh, yeah, hope that was helpful. Let's read some emails to finish the show from Kyle in Ohio. Dear Tevin, Raheem, Matt, and Jarek, what are you doing in Dynasty with the 49ers backfield? I currently have both Coleman and Mostert on my Dynasty team. Who would you rather hold, and what would you look for in a trade for each or both? It's a half PPR league. He, uh, Heath, what's your thoughts on what are your thoughts on the 49ers running backs in Dynasty? I appreciate the confidence in us, since like as an industry, we were wrong about this backfield on a weekly basis, like eight out of t- <laughs> sixteen weeks. I'm sure we're going to know three or four years into the future. I 
I prefer Coleman still the most of the group. He's a year younger than Mostert, who's already, I think, 28 years old. I think none of them were in my top 30. I just updated all my Dynasty rankings. They're on the site. You can go look. Um, Breed is the one I think is a restricted free agent. So if they let him go, he's probably going to a team where he's in a backup situation again. It will all depend on his landing spot and then what happens to the guy in front of him. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, subject line, The Good Place. This is from Kevin in a town in the heart of Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Uh, so this is for Ben. Hey, Eleanor, Chidi, Tahani, and Jason. Did I say that right, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> while, ben is not a, while Ben is not a pop culture maven, he is 100% correct on his take on The Good Place. An innovative concept with an amazing ensemble cast really makes this show a joy to watch. And I haven't even mentioned the best part a Blake Bortles or Blake Bortles references. Okay. Speaking of Jags QBs, why did, how come Heath did not have Gardner Minshew on his all decade team? It's a great, <laughs> great question. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this is probably the best question or, or best email that we've gotten all year. It's a great show and you guys should all check it out. Bortles. You didn't answer the question, <laughs> Ben. What was the question? It was for you. <laughs> how did you, how did Minshew he, he said make you were supposed team? to answer it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because how Heath's make list it. was perfect, and that would have been ridiculous. Is the uh, answer? Uh, you already okay, admitted gotcha. your list wasn't perfect, and you took Larry Fitzgerald off of it. That's right. We had to, we had to make an amendment for it to be perfect. Uh, by the way, when Ben says this was the best email of the year, he's only talking about 2020. So yeah, maybe that is the best, but not a lot of emails. This is from Jason, dear Dream Team. All right, he writes a whole spiel here. You can you guys can read it and. If you think it's relevant, go for it. But he uh, he's in an eight-team dynasty league with his wife's family. Okay, would would you trade David Montgomery for the eighth overall pick in the 2020 rookie draft? It's more of where would David Montgomery be in a rookie draft if he were in this 2020 class? I also have Miles Sanders, Tevin Coleman, Ronald Jones, and Darius Geis. Yes. I would. Oh, wow. Really? I would not. I mean, he had a he had a poor. Uh, first of all, I haven't done a ton of rookie work, but I a lot of people that I trust have and and have said this is a very very good 2020 class. But David Montgomery was not the like the top pick last year. He was maybe the third or fourth pick in rookie drafts, and he had kind of a poor rookie season. So if you can reset that by taking an eighth overall pick, a first round pick that is in a much stronger class, might even be an equal talent but that we haven't seen play yet and, and has you know the potential to be just an absolute star. Yeah, I, I would rather go at someone that is an unknown than at the Dave, what we saw if, out of David Montgomery. Yeah, he would still be great, but... I'd rather have Montgomery than an unknown. If, if you were to redo the draft, rookie draft now, is he even a top 10 pick? No. Because he's why, behind... Why would you rather be, have Montgomery than he, an unknown, Heath? He's behind Jacobs, he's behind Sanders, he's behind Singletary, right? I would think you have it that way. Um, I think I still have him one spot ahead of Singletary. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, and he did I, like his bad year was still like 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. He didn't have it an awful. Oh, I don't year. think he's. I don't right. think this is a David Montgomery's awful. I'm right. just, I'm just looking at it from how many receivers from this past class would you have over him? Because I think AJ Brown's better than him. I think Metcalf is better than him. I think Debo Samuel's close. Terry McLaurin is close. McLovin. Yeah. Um, I'm getting to the top so, fifty. Top 150. You know, that's kind of, I think, we're, it's like we're, we're getting to eight, essentially. You know, well, Kyler, well, here, here's the, Kyler here's is... Kind of, uh, sorry, this is kind of why I have an issue with it, right? Because 
his running backs for an eight team for a twelve team league they're not very good for an eight team league they're horrible so I think you really need to be looking at running back he's got Miles Sanders which is great but Tevin Coleman Ronald Jones and I guess Darius guys could be okay but that's an unknown but for an eight team league that's pretty bad so you really should be taking a running back in the first with your first pick. Uh, now, so he he could potentially guess, get two two of these rookies though, because I'm assuming yeah, the eighth pick could, is not his. But I don't. But the eighth pick is probably not going to be that uh, very high end running back. Like yeah, but you say you say you say that though. Singletary was a second round pick in in most rookie drafts. Sanders fell, and I, I got Sanders in one. But rookie also, draft. Daryl Henderson and was probably like an eight. Oh, there, there, there are right. plenty of good and bad examples right. both ways. I mean, you know, we, we were sitting here and telling people Paris Campbell, Miko Hardman. I know Hakeem right. Butler for you at, yep. the, at the end or, you know, around the draft process. Uh, you know, there was a number of guys that we talked about that failed. Right. You know, and, and that's just the nature of it right now. But I think this rookie cast, like, like Ben alluded to, it's fantastic. The wide receiver class is fantastic. So he may be looking at, he can get, a, let's say, because his running backs were so bad in an 18 league, let's say he's in the top three picks. He can get one of the studs and then still maybe get two of the studs because there's going to be receivers that go in those first five or six picks as well. All right, let's go to our next email here. It's from Jay, a.k.a. Mr. Waverwire. Pick one keeper in a PPR league. Aaron Jones in the fourth round. Cortland Sutton in the sixth round. Devontae Parker in the sixth round. DJ Moore in the ninth round. And Jameis Winston in the 13th round. DJ Moore. (laughs) Yeah, it's DJ Moore. Okay, yeah. Also, he sent this email a week ago. He said, my bold prediction is my Kansas City Chiefs knock off the Baltimore Ravens to go to the Super Bowl and win. Jay. You're wrong, Jay. That oh. was not even a bold prediction at the time. They were like the third most likely team to go to the Super Bowl at that point. <laughs> yeah, and you got it wrong. It's, you know, it's the Titans. From Don, <laughs> subject line, Lamar Jackson. I hope he does not develop a mental block about winning pressure-filled games. Great for the regular season, but the playoffs, not someone you could put your trust in. Why did you this put this email on the show? <laughs> you want to set the this bar so low ridiculous. for the worst email that we received in 2020? This, I guess so. Lamar yeah, Jackson's younger than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, everyone loves Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow won his playoff all... game, Ben, both of them. Yeah, That's well, true. I, Lamar Jackson <laughs> would have destroyed Division One this year. I, this is such an absurd thing to think about him at 23 years old. I agree. I just wanted to get people all fired up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good stuff. <laughs> I did. I did. The Good Place sucks. Is that what it's called? The Good Place? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it sucks. Whatever. Um, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you, uh, oh, I think on Tuesday, actually, because Monday is a holiday. We'll talk to you on Tuesday with a recap of the weekend and start talking about the Super Bowl a little bit for Jamie, for Heath, for Ben. I'm Adam. We'll talk to you next time on Fantasy Football Today. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.